inflammation is a positive thing. We just want it to have its response and then calm down. And unfortunately, it can stay in a heightened response state. Hey, everybody, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Andrea Nakayama. She's a nutritionist and also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Alliance, as well as the host of the 15-Minute Matrix podcast. We are chatting all about inflammation. Andrea gives us the lowdown on exactly what it is, what causes it beyond just the things that we eat, and what we can functionally do to both prevent and treat it. Lots of really helpful, actionable takeaways in here. I have talked to many, many experts on inflammation during my time as a freelance journalist writing articles for all different editorial outlets. And this interview brought to light some uh, takeaways, info, tips that I had never heard before. So happy that it's going to have a permanent place in the feed. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And with that... Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Andrea Nakayama. She is a nutritionist. She's also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Alliance. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me, Emily. I'm so happy to have you here. And I know from doing some research on your background that you have certainly overcome some hurdles, especially when it comes to getting to where you're at in your career. So before we dive into today's topic on inflammation, I would love it if you could just give us a little bit of your backstory and let us know a little bit about your beginnings. Yeah, cliff note version. So my passion for nutrition was really catapulted when my late husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was seven weeks pregnant. So that really led me into uh, what I think of as my boot camp in nutrition, because of course, there were all the things that were done for him and to him with a brain tumor, but there was so much more I saw we could influence. So he was given six months to live. He lived two and a half years. So he did see our son born, had some good imprinting time. 
that son is now 21. So that's 20 years ago that he passed. But that was really a hurdle for me in terms of uh, interest in a career change and seeing how our medical system does some amazing things, you know, brain surgery and brain radiation. But there are a lot of gaps. And some of those gaps are in how patients are treated, like their diagnosis and not like the person they are. So that led me on a quest to uncover how we fill those gaps and how ultimately I can train an army of other providers to help fill those gaps. And so what were you doing before you started studying to become a nutritionist? I worked in book publishing for 15 <laughs> years. So a really different, not health related background. Um, so it did take me a lot of time as a single mom, even while I was working to put myself back through school. I had a bachelor's of fine arts, so I didn't have all that science. And I actually think that previous career track helps me to be the kind of practitioner that I am. I can really understand story and production and how people move through an experience, whether that is a singular experience, their own health journey, or that's some kind of curriculum. So that previous history has helped me be who I am and helped me succeed. And I, I think that sometimes scares us. We think we can't make these leaps or get over these hurdles, but it certainly worked for me and the passion and the drive led me to sustain those years of going back to school and learning to build a business and be a leader um, that enabled me to build the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You mentioned being a leader and also educating as many other practitioners as you can uh, to get to help more and more people. Talk to me a little bit about what that part of your business has been like for you and how it feels to be stepping into the role as an educator. Yeah, so that is, it's a long, it's been a long journey. So I started out as a clinician in 2009, and people were wondering how I was getting the results that I was getting. So I thought, oh, I'll create a little mentorship program. And in 2012, I launched uh, the Functional Nutrition Alliance's Full Body Systems, which is my 10 month training for other providers. And in functional nutrition, we're really serving the people who are sick and not getting better. It's really that extra effort of understanding the entire picture, which we'll talk about. But uh, that's been 10 years that I've been running the full body systems program and our graduate program. And at this point, we've graduated over 7,000 practitioners in over 65 countries. And those practitioners are everyone from doctors and nurses and dietitians who want more of that functional approach to health coaches, fitness coaches who are seeing people in their practices who are not getting better with the tried and true that work for the 80%, but also those who don't come from a healthcare background. And maybe they've been the mom who's kid has been on the spectrum and they've helped them or they've survived a cancer treatment themselves and they know it can be weathered better. So it really is a melting pot where people are coming together, understanding that symbiosis of where 
nutrition, diet, lifestyle modification impacts the physiological function and how we go into the art of working with people through those challenges. So I love it, but I'm also excited to turn my attention back to the patient, not as a provider, but as an educator through my books and my speaking as well. Yeah. You know, oftentimes when individuals take a course like that or go through some sort of certification, they're excited at the end to gain perhaps a few different letters at the end of their name. When someone graduates your program, what is it that you tell them that they walk away with? Yeah. So they are becoming a Functional Nutrition Alliance certified functional nutrition counselor. So there is testing throughout so they can test their knowledge. It's a 10-month curriculum uh, being released every single week. So they do become a certified functional nutrition counselor. And then we have a graduate program that where they become a functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner. And that's more intensive, um, more hands-on, a smaller group that's using the tools and the systems that I've created and actually turning them in more like a practicum. It's so interesting as well when you become someone who has different levels of education. Oftentimes, we hope that the things that we would learn, we would regularly and perhaps preventatively at times be able to put into practice, but it's not always that easy. So for you, when you became a functional nutritionist, did you start to see changes and differences in the way that you were putting things into your body and how you were fueling and going about your day to day? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it really comes down to the understanding I had of what I call what's going on in there. So how does the science of physiology and the evidence of physiology actually inform us more than the evidence trap that I see people falling into when we're looking to studies of specific topics? So, you know, I've had people say to me, like, where's the evidence on leaky gut, for instance? And there's now plenty of it. But Back when I first started teaching, there wasn't. And if we look at it from a physiological lens, gut hyperpermeability is a thing that happens under certain situations. And so I really love how we can use the science of physiology and biology to help inform form our clinical care. And in functional nutrition, I'm taking us away from what I call the X for the Y. So instead of saying, oh, I have Hashimoto's, which I do, or lupus, or I have a cancer diagnosis or diabetes, what do I do for it? We're asking a different question, which is, I have these things. What is the terrain that allowed that to manifest. So the diagnosis, the signs and the symptoms, those are just a tipping point. And they're going to be different factors that led to that tipping point for every person. So for me, understanding that my Hashimoto's is different than somebody else's Hashimoto's. We have different lifestyle factors. We have different ancestry. We just got to a similar, a, a place that led to a tipping point That was the same name, but that doesn't mean we necessarily treat it the same. And so in functional nutrition, we're looking at the soil or the terrain more than what I call the branches. Right, right. So to go back to the original question, would you say that you started to look at your own soil a little bit differently? 
Yeah, great, great way to bring it back. Yes, understanding who am I? What's going on? How's my body responding? Kind of unpacking the relationship that we all grow up with around food and our bodies and really getting to the essence of what's my body telling me? What's working? What's not working? How do I put this together and create a self plan that is evolving? Because I'm changing, my hormones are changing, my stress mm -hmm. level's changing, and it's not going to be static. So yes, thinking about it through my terrain. How would you say that uh, this Hashimoto's has impacted you over time? What are some of maybe the uh, you know symptoms that you were experiencing before that with your education maybe shifted a little bit? Or how does that impact you regularly? Yeah, so for me, I have the Hashimoto's pretty well managed. What I do know is that I have an autoimmune tendency. So my body has the tendency to attack itself, which is not uncommon for women, especially of a certain age. Autoimmunity does impact more women than men. We're more complicated internally and physiologically. So I have it pretty well managed, but that's through practices where I understand that terrain and the roots. And I have systems that help us to identify those. But for me, it could be, uh, you know, odd weight gain that's very subtle that nobody will pay attention to because I can tell there's kind of this padding of inflammation that maybe doesn't look like anything to a provider. So it's dismissed and you get a little bit of that gaslighting. It could be fatigue. It could be like puffiness around my face. So it's very subtle because I know now how to take care. And I actually think of it as like, freaking take it. Like it's yours to take. And so I take good care of myself, which doesn't mean I'm perfect. And it doesn't mean I'm walking a straight line. It means that I'm in tune. Yeah. And I love that whole premise of functional medicine, right? Because it wants to empower individuals to get to, as you said before, the root of what's going on, to be able to take ownership over your circumstance and then hopefully be able to change a system or an outcome that you've otherwise been stuck on for who knows how long. You also mentioned a buzzword of exactly what we're getting into speaking about today. And that is inflammation. I was out to dinner with a girlfriend last night and she told me that she spoke with a functional nutritionist about this very topic. And the takeaways from that conversation blew her mind. So I was amped knowing that you and I were going to sit down today to talk about this very topic as well. When it comes to inflammation, just general, let's like lay down the framework. What is inflammation? Yeah, inflammation. And it it's one of the three roots, because I will always say there is no one root when we talk about root cause resolution, which I think gets us in trouble. But inflammation is the body's response to something. And it's actually a helpful response. So it's responding to something with redness, with heat, with a swelling in order to deal with something that it's not accustomed to in some way or where it's gotten confused. So it's a natural body response that's about regulation 
and yet it can uh, get out of tune in some way. So inflammation is a positive thing. We just want it to have its response and then calm down. And unfortunately, it can stay in a heightened response state. Let's break down why inflammation may stay in that heightened response state. Yes. Can I back us up a little bit as I am want to do? Okay. Do it. So whenever I think about any chronic sign, symptom, or diagnosis, and that can be Hashimoto's, depression, anxiety, resistant weight loss, whatever it is that isn't resolving, I think about it through a three roots, many branches lens. So any sign, symptom, or diagnosis is a branch. And in our current way of looking at things, we want to address the branch. However, our job and the where place we have the most agency, as you were talking about, to impact our health is when we get to the roots and the soil that those roots live in. So with any chronic condition, the roots are genes, digestion, and inflammation. Those three roots have been activated in some way when we're experiencing a chronic condition, chronic inflammation of any sort, whether it's eczema, allergies, or an autoimmune condition. Around each of those roots that I've developed or identified, I've looked at what we think of as our circle of influence. And a circle of influence is a model, you know, that Stephen Covey, Habits of the Most Successful People, identified where instead of being in the control, which is in that center, or the anxiety, which is out in the universe, we actually have an our circle in the middle, which is our circle of influence. And if we sit in our circle of influence, we're not in the tightness of control, which is an illusion. We never have it. Or the anxiety that we can't control it. We actually say, what can I do? So for me, the circle of influence to answer your question is to clear, calm, enhance, and modulate. And that's about the immune system. So when the immune system is in a chronic state of exposure to something it cannot metabolize, that's when we're in a heightened or sustained state of inflammation. So mm. do we need to clear a food that we're in, in, that we're having an inflammatory reaction to or a mindset that's inflammatory or an environmental toxin or a microbial infection? So there's a way for us to think broadly. It's just not like, oh, I'm supposed to clear that by eating an autoimmune paleo diet and intermittent fasting. It's thinking like, who am I? And what actually needs to be cleared? And what do I need to calm in my immune system, in my nervous system? Many of us are caught in a sympathetic state, that drive, that fix. We cannot heal in that state. So really just stepping back and saying, what's the soil around this inflammatory root? And where do I actually have some influence while I'm looking for answers or what I think is the answer, which will never be one answer? I love that you highlighted that it could be a range of things. It's not necessarily something that you eat. It could also be a state of stress that you're living in and all of those other examples that you cited. I believe that many have a hard time understanding that fact that indeed certain 
lifestyle factors could be stressing your body in such a way that inflammation is a response. Yeah, including that drive to find the answer, the pill, the protocol, the practitioner, the whatever it is. We're so caught up with so many uh, influencers that are telling us this is the answer. And what I'm finding, I mean, nutrition is kind of a dirty word these days because we're either in the hyper limited restricted dietary patterns, which are also introducing deficiencies that impair the body from doing its healing, or we're in the, you know, forget it, I'm done with that, the body positivity, which is all important for different stages. But mm-hmm. I'm on a mission to figure out, like, how do we help the person who's looking for answers understand where it's not about control, it is about influence and there's so many things and so vast and so little and so we did it yesterday and we don't do it today and that's okay we can do it tomorrow that contribute to the management of that overactive immune response which is inflammation yeah and i think just like whenever you want to make a change the first thing that you need to do is recognize and acknowledge what's actually going on in your life especially here with inflammation. Yeah, thousand percent, thousand percent. And hard work for people to do because we do, we are told that it will be easier. We do think once I'm diagnosed, I'll get the answers. Or once I know I'll receive something that will fix it. And with chronic inflammation, that's rarely the case that it's a one and done. Right. So you mentioned some of your inflammatory kind of symptoms or what inflammation looks like for you and your body. For someone who may be sitting here listening to this or commuting or wherever they may be listening to this, (laughs) and they're thinking to themselves, like, am I inflamed? Like, how does someone know? Yeah. I mean, inflammation can manifest in so many different ways. So the symptoms of inflammation may be having digestive distress. A lot of people walk around with what's called IBS, which is just an umbrella term for we don't know what's happening with your intestines. (laughs) But it is inflammation that's leading to those changes in how our digestive digestive system is responding. Depression, anxiety, brain fog. I mean, I can tick around what I call the functional nutrition matrix and look at every area. It's not just affecting the immune system. It's where the immune system is having a heyday. So skin issues, if we have eczema or rosacea, those are that's inflammation at its core. So it impacts any aspect of the body And if we do have an autoimmune condition, so I'll just use my situation again, since Hashimoto's is so popular these days and so known, what that means is I have hypothyroidism and an autoimmune attack on my thyroid cells. So my own immune system has decided that the cells and the tissue in my thyroid gland are foreign to them. And I don't like the word foreign, but it's a hard word to 
figure out how to get the point across quickly, but my body has decided that they don't belong there. And so my own immune system, when in its heightened state, which can happen through stress, can happen through me eating certain foods that my body doesn't process well, it could happen because of an exposure, an environmental exposure, being on the airplane, sleeping in a hotel, lots of things can be triggers for me that then tell my immune system to amp it up. And when it amps up, it's not just on the attack for something that's not supposed to be there. It's gotten confused enough that it's attacking what is supposed to be there. And that's what autoimmunity is it's the immune system getting confused and having a heyday with your own tissues so the more we can do to calm the system the better off we are however to answer your question it can manifest as anything so i would say if you're working with anything that's chronic meaning it's not one and done and it keeps coming up or it never goes away then those three roots, including inflammation, are at play in the manifestation of your signs, your symptoms, or your diagnosis. Got you, got you. So when it comes then, we've talked about what it could look like, what could cause it. When it comes to then treating it and moving forward with a plan of attack, where does someone really begin? Yeah. So this is where I like to think about what I call the three tiers to nutrition mastery. Tier number one are the non-negotiables. And I invite everybody to really identify their non-negotiables. What helps you feel better and what makes you feel worse? And your non-negotiables aren't just your foods. Like we were talking about, it's where do I have Where do I need more joy in my life? How do I get my joy? Am I coming out of the pandemic and realizing like I've lost connections and friends and I need that? Where do you need time to read or meditate or walk in nature? What are your non-negotiables for your best feeling? And we can go back to the times we felt best in our lives. We can think through the things we know in functional medicine and functional nutrition, these are called our mediators, the things that help us feel better or make us feel worse. And I think that's a great first step because everybody knows, if you ask anybody, if you ask yourself, you likely know some things like I feel better when I run or I feel better when I get to sleep by 10 p.m. For me, that's a non-negotiable, getting to bed by 10 p.m. And there's reasons for that. Tier number two is what I call deficiency to sufficiency. And on the other end of that is toxicity, right? So there's a spectrum there. So if we're thinking through our deficiencies, we may not know without a provider if we have deficiencies in nutrients like B vitamins or vitamin D. Those are issues too, but also digestive secretions. How do we slow down and eat and make sure that we're thinking about our food Deficiencies, again, could be in sleep or movement or joy or love or connection. So I invite people to think about these tiers in a very broad way. And when we as patients 
start to embrace the things that we can influence, we show up as better partners for our providers, our medical providers, who are responsible for tier three, which is dismantling the dysfunction. And I'm worried we're bypassing tier one and tier two. So the non-negotiables and the deficiencies to sufficiencies for dismantling the dysfunction, but we're not doing the other work. And so it just is this like, you know, habit trail of never getting to results. Totally. And what you said about figuring out how to recognize these first two tiers being really critical so that you can be a better, you know, partner, so to speak, to your provider. It also, without a doubt, makes you a better partner, period. When you show up and you take ownership of your circumstance, you'll then feel more empowered to show up for perhaps for your work or in your personal relationships or wherever that might be. Yeah, so true. And for ourselves, I mean, I truly believe that like, these bodies we have are a vessel, right? And I watched somebody, I ushered somebody to his death. I midwifed my husband through this life. And so these bodies, these vessels we have are complicated. And when they are functional, you know, I'm putting in air quotes, when they hum, we can do what we're here to do better. And when we're fighting against it, it does become harder to manifest what we want, achieve what we want, show up in relationship for ourselves, for our work, for any, our children, whatever it is, that humming is something we can always work on. We don't have to wait for that doctor's appointment to be addressing those things. Right. So as a provider, then when someone comes to you and says, what should I do now that I am here? Maybe they have done those first two steps and now they're on step three. What's the approach? Yeah. So in our clinic at the Functional Nutrition Alliance, we do a very deep assessment. So we really do honor the person's story. I like to think about it as everything is connected in the body. We are all unique and all things matter. So we're doing a very full assessment before we make any recommendations. And I am a stand for not making recommendations that are not true for the individual. So there's a lot we have to take into consideration, including their history in terms of adverse childhood experiences or adult experiences, their relationship with body, their relationship with food, before we're making recommendations, in addition to looking at their labs and understanding what's happening physiologically. So every single person is different based on so many factors And we're going to dive in and make sure we have addressed the things that we need to address while we're moving forward. And I should say, in addition to making sure they have other providers on their team, if that needs to be a mental health practitioner to address some trauma or a medical provider who could be doing further testing or prescribing if needed, we're going to kind of sit with them in the entirety of the case so that we can see it fully as opposed to saying, hey, get off of gluten, dairy, and sugar and all will be okay. That could be very triggering for some folks and they probably have done it and have histories with it. And so that understanding for us, I would say, I know it's not the answer we often want, but it 
I think pe- when people feel heard and partnered with, it's such a relief to move forward because so many of us have not had that experience in our healthcare. Definitely. And, you know, I appreciate the the take on this, which is everyone is different and I can offer you some loose guidance, but I'm not going to sit here and lay out a plan that every single person can follow because it doesn't work that way. As a functional nutritionist, I do feel compelled having been a victim and also on the editorial side so many times when individuals are like, well, what should I do for inflammation? What should I eat for inflammation? I know there's no one size fits all answer to this, but is there anything that we should be wary of or perhaps cautious of while moving forward with our diet in an inflammatory state? Yes, there are foods that are more inflammatory than others, and there are food categories that are more inflammatory than others. So for each of us as individuals, there are going to be some distinctions. However, there are categories like sugar, refined sugar, that can be very inflammatory and also impact of the immune system's ability to do its job. So white blood cells do get suppressed in the presence of refined sugar. So I like to help people find other ways to get their sweet tooth filled because we need that joy and we need sweetness in our lives. But looking at refined sugar and processed foods and even alcohol in relation to our symptoms is helpful because of the body's response, both from an immune function and a hormonal function and uh, really starting to make those connections between how we feel. I could go further with other inflammatory food categories, but it does get tricky into the recommendation area where I think people either get hypervigilant or shut down because you just don't want to hear it anymore and it didn't work for you, but it can. It just needs to be with the right support and understanding. Right, right. So instead of immediately jumping in, and I love that your takeaway from the concept of that these sugars can be inflammatory is not, well, get rid of every ounce of sugar in your life, because we know that that's not realistic for many. So how can we integrate the things that bring us joy in a way that's responsible, and then in turn, can help us feel better in our bodies? That is what I am all about. Yeah. And so many more options these days than when I started in practice and had to make everything by hand. I mean, I'm in Portland, Oregon, and I got an ice cream sandwich at the grocery store that's made like in small batches from a women owned company in San Francisco that had no refined sugar at all. It was coconut sugar and some maple syrup. And like, how delightful to be able to enjoy an ice cream sandwich on my porch, but know that I'm not going to wake up with my swollen eyes the next day. (laughs) We love it. We love avoiding swollen eyes whenever possible. (laughs) Is there anything else that we should add to this topic of inflammation before we start to wind things down here? I think it's just that notion that we can calm the entire system through our ability to come into the parasympathetic, the rest and digest, and to recognize, uh, especially 
women, especially, you know, people who are driven, that we're often in this sympathetic driven state and that that is not supporting our immune system or our inflammatory response as well. So an invitation to rest and digest. We love that. We love an invitation to rest and digest and articulating for yourself what that looks like, what are habits or practices in your regular routine that don't need to take up a ton of time, but that can help you come back to center so that you can show up and not only be a better you, but then your body can also be a better body. I am so excited that we were able to do this. Andrea, thank you so much for making the time. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us your details. Yeah, thank you for asking. You can always find me at andrianakayama.com. That's a lot of A's. And that'll lead you to the Functional Nutrition Alliance, the training, the blog, also my podcast. So everything can be found there in addition to any work that I'm doing to further support patients. Perfect. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 